question for you this week is what's going to be my approach to God? What is going to be your approach to God? But I want us to personalize it and ask yourself, what is going to be my approach to God? I've never heard a message like this, so I'm guessing you might not have either. But I've come to the realization that Christianity has a branding problem. You know what branding is? Where your name is this image, and when you see that, you think immediately, boom. You think Google. You immediately think of search engine. You think about email. You think of Gmail. You think of all these different things. If you think of Campbell's, what do you think of? You think of soup. You think of Coca-Cola. You think of those things. So those branding things, they, they spend billions and billions of dollars every year to try and make you remember their product by branding it. Well, Christianity has not been spending millions of dollars trying to get branded, but we do get branded by what we're known for. So I want to suggest to you that there are two different ways that people can approach God. But most people are actually approaching God in the wrong way, which is why most people do not enjoy Christianity or church or God. And that's what we're going to look at today. I'm so excited. I just can't wait. I meet people all the time driving for Uber at night and all the different places that I go and all the different environments that I'm in. And when they find out about God or Jesus or that I'm a pastor or church or anything, their eyes get big, their perceptions, and they're like, oh, I hate church or I hate religion. I'm like, I'm right there with you. I hate religion too. I actually had a guy I picked up at a local college late at night, and he's very intoxicated, and it was the funniest thing in the world. He's, you know, I think he still had a beverage with him, and I'm not throwing any shade towards anyone, and in this is just the story of how it happens. And he had rolled the window down because he was trying to get some cool air on his face. And he says, so, is this your full-time job? What else do you do? And I said, well, I'm actually a pastor of a church. What? And he's trying to crawl out the window as we're driving down the road. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to hell. A pastor saw me drunk. Oh, my gosh. I'm definitely going to hell for now. I'm like, how did you get that image? See, we have this branding problem. Other people think, well, what's your God say about this and wants to throw their alcohol, their sin, their situation, or what about this, and what about that, and what about... See, we all have these different images of what is God. So I'm going to ask you, what's your approach to God going to be? See, people approach God in their minds. Their thoughts of God can often often keep them away from God because they think God is one thing when he's really something else. Can you imagine if I said, hey, I want you guys to all come with me and we're going to have a basketball game together tonight and we're going to all just, whoever shows up, we're just going to split down the middle and it'll be team A against team B and you're like, man, I really don't want to come play basketball because I really hate that game. It's like, no, won't you come? It'll be fun. I really hate it when they chase me down and they drag me down and throw me down like whoa whoa whoa! that's not basketball that's football no no no, i hate it when they keep kicking the ball and like you get you in the head and all that no 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 that's not basketball that's soccer you see if you have this image in your mind of one thing when someone says a word you immediately go there and that other person doesn't even have a clue 
Can you imagine if I asked you to play basketball with us as a church? And we're not doing that, by the way. So everybody don't show up here like in your basketball uniform ready to go. But I would say that the day that Michael and Andrew aren't here, that's kind of funny. But can you imagine if I said, hey, we're all going to do this, and you all have all these different images that's not basketball in your mind, but you never say anything? But I think you're on the same page that I'm on. And you're really over here thinking something completely different. I want to suggest to you that's what's going on with Christianity. This approach that most people have, I want to suggest to you, comes from the second story in the Bible, from the very, very beginning of the Bible. The actual first story is the story of creation. And can I suggest to you that's the same story for you? That's your first story. You were born. That's the beginning of a life for you. God created the heavens and the earth. That was the first story in Genesis. There's life. But in the second story is also your story and my story. We have a choice. How will we approach God? In Genesis chapter 2, and you can follow along with the scriptures, we have an app that if you guys have, you can go follow through on the app if you want to. But the scriptures are going to be up here as well. Genesis chapter 2, verses 8. And it says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put a man he had formed. Then the Lord made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden there, was, there were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you notice that I put yellow on these so we can differentiate. differentiate. So here's our two choices that we see. We've got A and we've got B. So we have the tree of life and we have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you may have heard this story before, but I bet you've never seen it like this. Most people think that the story of original sin surrounded the apple. But you'll notice there's not even an apple ever mentioned in the Bible. It's not even in the Bible. It's another one of those perceptions that we have in our mind. We should hate apples because that's where we sin. Or even that the day that they sinned was the day that they ate of the apple. So we see the first story was the day you were born. The second story was the day you were given a choice. If you go back to that previous screen, Jenny, it says there are two different trees. God continues on to them and says, you can eat of every tree in verse 15, 16. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, I did a whole message on this, and it's up on our, our podcast, and I'm not going to dive back down into that, but God gave us free choice when he gave us something other than what he wanted us to do. And this is that whole foundation of scripture of that. If there was never of something, he said, now don't touch this one, don't do that. If he never gave us that, then we're just always walking in Our only choices are good choices. How can you mess up? How do you have free will if you don't have a choice that is not what God wants? So here he's saying, you can eat from any tree, but just don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You see, the tree of knowledge is coming from a knowledge base that is learned from behavior. It's what we have in our mind of how we're raised. So if you're raised one way, you have a knowledge of what's good and what's bad 
good and evil, and someone else is raised over here is raised in an entirely different way. So there's no medium or there's no standard that you can live by. It's all based on whatever you've been told, what direction you've been given. So you'll all have different paths that was going on there. I was talking to Andrew recently, and I said, you know, when you start preparing for thinking about finding a mate, it's going to be the most amazing time of your life, but it's also the scariest time because you're going to have conflict. That person was not raised like you were. No matter how perfect they are, no matter how wonderful they are, they're not raised the same exact way. They're not identical to you. If they're both identical, there was not reason for one of you. So we have that conflict that's just built in. We see that here. I'm digressing. I don't want to. I could go down that way. It says that if you eat from it, you will certainly die. But as we see death, we have an image in our mind that, you know, you eat and go, oh, you know, it's like poison, you know, just, you just keel over. But it wasn't a physical death, as we know, because they didn't die. That wasn't the end of creation right then and there. But it was death to your dreams. Death to your marriage, death to your family, death to your relationships. Death was entered in. So now there's the struggle, there's the hustle that when we have things going on in life, we got to fight against that death. We got to fight against the things because no one is ever really around you saying, Hey, I'm celebrating you. You can do this. Most people are going, There's no way you're going to do that. Oh, that'll never work. Isn't that right? Everyone's always telling you, No, 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 you can't, you can't, you can't. There's always death to our dreams. And it entered in right there. You know, when we have parenting curriculum, and we'll have those classes in the future in small groups, you know, parents, especially with young children, they come, they want to know, how do I make my children obey? How can you make them do what I tell them to do? Now, what they're really asking for in their mind, their analogy, their perception of how they're coming at this is saying, hey, I want you to make my kid do what I tell him to do. I want you to force behavior. Well, we can accomplish that with duct tape and a chair. Okay, We can make them stop doing bad things. right? But how many of you know duct tape and a chair will be a short-term solution, but that's not the solution they're looking for. They're looking for us to help transform, it, transform their heart. If there's not a transformation in our hearts, we're just going to be stuck through life with duct tape and a chair. And that's not God. That's what people's approach to many things are. God has a different approach for us. Now we have the third story of our life. Insert the devil. The devil, evil, the, the maniacal guy. I mean, even the cartoons all have the point in which the bad guy comes in. Every major superhero has the bad guy, the nemesis that comes against them, all right? Well, here in Genesis 3, we see in the beginning how the same thing happened. Genesis 3, verse 1. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And I'm going to tell you, that's the same thing he still says today. His, his plans, his tactics haven't changed. He's still going to come and say, are you sure that's what God wants you to do? I know God wants you, you think God wants you, and you know, you hear this at church, and God's telling you something private in your heart, but is that really what God, because you're going to have a whole lot more fun over here doing this. Did God really say 
You must not eat from any of the trees. The woman replied to him, We may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit in the, from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not even touch it or you will die. And his reply is, you will not certainly die. I will suggest to you, her image of dying, she had no idea what death meant. No one had ever died. But she could be like you and I, that we think, if I touch that, or if I, if I take of that fruit, whatever that fruit is, and I'm dying, it's going to be the croaking, you know, the poison, like, oh, boom. And then he's like, oh, that's really not going to happen. How many of you know that there's causes and effects? And just because I do the wrong thing right now, that generally is not an immediate consequence. The consequence comes later. So he's saying, you will not certainly die like right now. It's not gonna, you're just not going to see it happen. That's not really going to happen. Verse 5, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, the interesting thing here that you may have never seen this, I had never seen before either. Satan's attempt to derail your life isn't always to get you to do bad things. In this case, he's actually appealing to her nature, her desire to be godly. He's like, you'll be more like God if you do this. God's trying to hold back on you. But if that's really what you want to be, if you really want to be godly, hey, do this, because when you do this, you're going to be more like God. You're going to know good and evil. Can I tell you the truth? It was the truth. She did become to know good and evil. Do you know, even in church, our pursuits of God, we can follow the wrong approach. You might not have God in you, You will just know good from evil if you're only chasing after that knowledge, if we're only partaking from the tree that is of knowledge. We're living in an age that's called the information age, the knowledge age. You can find anything in the world you want to on your phone. In seconds, you can find out anything you want to know right now. I know I'm old, but there used to be a time you'd have to go to a library, you know, this big building that most people don't know about anymore with a bunch of books. You have to spend a long time learning the whole way they categorize everything to go and find the right book to read and open it up and search and search and search and search and search. And now it's right there. Even in preparing my messages before, I'd have to spend hours and hours and hours researching the words and taking out my Strong's Concordance and going and finding that little word there and finding that number. And it would take a long time. It's now a button I click on my iPad and it tells me everything I want to know. We live in an information age and we have to be careful that we're not living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we're not actually living in the tree of life which is a relationship with God. Continue on. Verse 6. Now when the woman saw that the, the fruit of the tree was good for food, and it was pleasing to the eye. How many of you know sin can be very pleasing to the eye? And it looks really good. And also desirable for gaining wisdom. Hey, I mean, it all lines up, right? I mean, if we're going to make this justification, I mean, it looks good. It, it, it's really pleasing to the eye. I bet it is desirable for me to get more knowledge. I mean, I need to get more wise. So she took it 
and she ate it. And she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. And for all those people that say it's the woman's fault, notice that he was there with her. All right? So, you know, he's just as equally, you know, at fault. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. See, they opened the door for shame. Later, they go on and tell God, we're naked. And he goes, who told you you're naked? It's like, um. See, they hadn't had anything changed. They were in the way that God originally created them. The problem wasn't clothes or no clothes. The problem was, all of a sudden, they had an awareness to sin. They had an awareness for an opportunity for sin. So what God created as beautiful now has the ability to be perverted. And now they feel like, I've got to cover myself and try and avoid this whole thing. And they immediately felt shame. They didn't die, as in croak, but they did have death enter into their life. See, there's three different ways we're going to look at this morning of the two trees. And they can look very similar. And you may even think during parts of your life that you're in the right tree. That, oh, no, 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 I understand everything you're saying, Pastor Kevin, about that tree of knowledge. Yeah, I understand. But I'm really over here. I'm living in the right place. I'm living in the tree of life. We can think that, but sometimes we're actually living in the wrong tree. So let's look and put this applied to our lives. We want to have the right approach to God, right? I don't want to live in the wrong tree and think everything's there. One of my favorite songs that my, my friend um, Truth, back in the day, probably most of you guys have never heard it, they wrote a song, it was on the top 20 of Christian music, it's called Upside Down. I love that song, but part of the lyrics of that song is, what if we fall into the bottom of the well, thinking we've risen to the top of a mountain? What if I've done all of these things, thinking this is what it is to find out I've been living life upside down? That's what I want us to avoid this day. Okay, so number one, if you're taking notes, the tree of knowledge of good and evil says, do more to get from God. You got to do, you got to do, you got to do. Hey, if you want more from God, you got to do. You just got to get out there and work it. See, some people see it as a performance-based God. Hey, if you're not out there soul winning, if you're not out there, you know, reading your Bible, if you're not out there doing all this period of time, if you're not doing all of these things, you're really not going to get God's approval. He's not really going to be happy with you. You really got to spend all your time over here. You got to do more if you really want to get to God. But that's not true. You know, there was actually, several years ago, a a movement that went through the church. It's called, Can You Tarry? Can You Not Tarry for One Hour? It's a prayer movement. It's a wonderful movement that went through. And and it's kind of crazy. If I said, hey, I want you to pray for an hour a day, you might like, an hour a day, that's, oh my gosh, that's a lot. It actually isn't when you get into it. But, you know, it's based off of where Jesus is with the disciples. He says, hey, this big stuff's coming up. I want you to come pray with me. And he goes and prays and comes back an hour later and they're asleep. He's like, could you not pray with me? Could you not, like, stay awake for an hour to pray? So this whole thing was an initiative to get us to pray. And I found really good results with it. But here's what I found I was doing all the time. <sighs> felt like an hour. It's been five minutes. Okay, pray, 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 pray. This has got to be 15 minutes. Six minutes. It's like, oh my gosh. But you see, I, 
the only way I could even make it through this period of time in my life is I would take all my watches off, I would set an alarm, and turn the clock upside down and say, God, I know that alarm's going to go off, when, so I'm going to now put my focus and my attention on what I'm actually trying to do. But it, don't laugh at me because you'd have done the same thing. But it's funny because we can get so distracted instead of saying, hey, I'm doing this thing because I want a relationship with God. It comes into did I meet the time requirements? Have I been here long enough? Is it time I can go now? Like a kid in timeout. Has it been time? Can I go now? Can I get up now? Can I get up? Can I, can I, can I get? That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life, though, says, receive the fact that Jesus has already done it. You don't need to do more to get God. Jesus has already done it. Everything that you could ever need in your life has already been accomplished. If you need healing, it's accomplished. Jesus did it all for us on the cross. We saw that as we went up to Easter and then the Easter service and everything that happened 2,000 years ago. He's accomplished it that long ago. Then we saw after that the reminder that everything that I will ever have in a sin, anything that I ever do, has already been forgiven even before I was even born. My parents were born. Or my grandparents and go back all the way to the cross. It was done at that time. Everything has been done. You just have to receive. And that's part of what I want to help us with this morning. Everything that needed to be done to get to God has already been done. So Jesus, see the, con- the rub between these two that you've got to do and receiving it. Jesus had that same rub with the Pharisees, and they're coming against him. In John chapter 5, verse 39, he tells them, and he's kind of like being sarcastic. He's kind of like got a sharp tone in his voice, and you kind of read it through there with me. He goes, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. He's telling them, you spend your entire life, this was their job. This is what they did from when they woke up till they went to sleep, is they just studied the scriptures, studied the scriptures, and they knew it very well. They knew it inside and backwards. Man, they knew every which way. You want to ask them anything? Man, they have a lot of head knowledge. He goes, but you can't even see that these are about me. You're so caught up in what you're studying You've now grown over this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you've left the tree of life. Verse 40 goes, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. You missed it. He's like, man, you missed it. You spent your whole life trying to do this thing and thinking you're right, and you missed it. Some people think that the amount of reading that they do in the Bible is what makes them holy makes them godly. And they'll get in this, these, these uh, positions that they will say, well, you don't read as much as I do, so you're certainly not as holy as I am. Or I'm going to read more than you do, so I want to be more holy than you. And I wanna, I'm going to do this thing over here. Well, let me see how much time I spend. How much do you do? And they'll size you up to see if you meet up to their standards. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's good in that. But it's dead. It's death. Relationships in the tree of life. 
It's a completely different approach. Number two, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil says, keep trying to get God's approval. This is based upon the premise that God doesn't like you very much. That he's sitting up there in this big giant throne, and he's just waiting there with some lightning bolts ready. Man, you make that mistake, I'm going to go, you know, I'm just going to stomp you out. I don't like you very much. So i got to work really, really hard. i got to make sure that my shirt is ironed just right, and i got to wear, I mean, used to, we'd have to wear suits and make, when I was young, we'd have to wear a three-piece suit. And man, you got all this stuff going on. My shoes would better be polished right. And I better have my hair combed when I had hair. But you have to do all these things. And I, I got to do it all right to get to God. So I get his approval. God isn't inherently mad. He's not just up there going, I really hate the sins of the world. He's not up there having a bad day because of everything that's going on in his creation. You have to be really careful of the view that you have of God. Your view of God will determine what your relationship with God is going to look like. But now the converse side of this is the tree of life says, receive the fact that he already loves you. It's not something you've got to work for. It's not something you got to constantly strive at. Just relax in him. Receive the fact that he already loves for you. When they were nailing the nails into Jesus' hands, he was loving them. When they've just beat him so badly that says you couldn't even recognize that he was a human being, much less it was Jesus. He says, Father, forgive them. When he was going through all this agony, his heart was love poured out from them. Our view of God has to be that of love, or our approach will be wrong. We can slide over into this tree of the knowledge of good. The tree of life says, I'm going to obey. I went too far. On our worst day, he still loves us. On our worst day, he still loves us. Think about that for a second. Think about the thing in your closet that you don't want anybody to know. You wish you could kind of erase the, the memory of the people who do know. Like in Men in Black, you can go, you're not going to remember that anymore. I got away from that one. Think about those situations. Those things that make you kind of cringe a little bit inside when you remember those. He still loves you. In fact, he is more for you. He's there for you more on those days. That's when you need a loving father more than when everything's going great. When everything is a struggle and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. It's when I need a loving father that's going to be there for me. Romans 8 says that God demonstrates his love for us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Number three, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil says, obey out of duty. And if you do that way, you will see the Bible as a list of rules. 
You'll just see it as stuff. I've got to just check this box off. Man, I've got to struggle. I've got to make this work. But I'm not doing it because I want to. I'm doing it because I have to. See, the tree of life says you're going to obey out of delight. That's when you work into because I want to do it. 1 John 5, 3 says, In this fact, this is love to keep his commandments. His commandments are not burdensome. Whoever has, verse 12, who has the life, has the son, has life, and whoever does not have the son does not have life. Has and have are literally meaning to take on, to possess, to take hold of, to allow it to enter into our hearts and into your life. So whoever has, is able to take on the son, will have life. That's the tree of life. He's like, come over here. That's a relationship. Really quickly as I close, there's four ways that I want us to look at how we can actually live in the tree of life. So I've, I've done this comparison of this is how we can get caught up in knowledge of things that are good and not live in the tree of life, which is about relationship. Number one, very quickly, if you're taking notes, fall in love with Jesus. Jesus says in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I've heard this so many times all my life. And here's how I've always looked at that. I've read it from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if I'm honest. I've read it. If you love me, you'll do what I told you. You'll prove it to me. If you love me, Jenny, go back. If you love me, you're going to do what I say. But can I suggest to you that Jesus wasn't saying that at all? He's saying it from the tree of life. Because there's a comma there. If you're in love with me, you'll obey my commandments. If you'll just love me, Everything's going to just happen. It's going to be an automatic result in your life that you're going to become more like me, and you're just simply going to obey the commandment. But you see, that comma is the biggest part of that scripture. That's the difference between living in the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good. I want to live in the tree of life. I don't know about you guys. Quick analogy I want to give to you. It's like a marriage relationship. I can say the Bible says in the Ten Commandments, you should not covet another man's wife. You should not commit adultery. You, you get all these things. Okay, I'm not going to do those things. I'm going to do it. I'm not 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 going to do it. Or I can just be in love with Lenore. And when I'm so in love with her, I'm not worried about any of those things. I'm obeying the commandments. But not because I'm sitting here going, ah, I can't look at that one. I can't want to do this. I can't do... So my love, I focus on my love for her. All the rest of that just happens. You get what I'm saying with this? Number two, for the first one is fall in love with Jesus. Number two, serve God through relationships, not rules. In love, we, we now have to live it out. We're looking at now, how are we going to do this? The Old Testament is the same exact thing. It's the same two trees. So the Old Testament is the rules. And there's a bunch of them. 
you read through that, in the one-year Bible, read what's going on today, there's a bunch of rules. The New Testament is all about relationships. Jesus says, I've come to fulfill the law. I've come to do all, not to get away with it, get away from it, but to do it. Very quickly, if you can give me just a couple more minutes. Here's where the rubber meets the road for me. Temptation is a test of your relationship, not your self-control. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. We're all going to be tempted. There's not one of us that can walk away and not be tempted. So when temptation comes, it is more a test of your relationship, not your self-control. Going back to the analogy of my wife. If I'm tempted by another woman, it's not about how much self-control I can have to say, I'm not going to do this lustful thing, or I'm not going to have an adulterous relationship. I'm not going to do this. It more comes back to how strong is my relationship with her when temptation comes. Pastor Chris Hodges says this, remember the next time you're tempted, that that it probably exposes more about your relationship to God than how disciplined you are. Four ways to live in the tree of life, fall in love with Jesus, serve God through relationships, not rules. Number three, respond to all sin with life. When you mess up, all of us will mess up. We'll all have mistakes. If in the tree of the good, knowledge of good and evil, you'll feel condemned. You'll be like, oh, you're worthless. See there, you did it again. If we're in the tree of life, there's conviction. And he says, yeah, you messed up. Here's the way out. Yeah, you made a mistake. That's a fact. You're a terrible tree of life, a tree of knowledge of good and evil. You messed up. Come on, come this way. Here's the way out. We got this all covered for you. I've already paid for it for you. Romans 8 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, in a relationship with Christ. We see this the best with one of my favorite stories in the scripture that Jesus was teaching. And I taught this very recently. I know you probably won't remember it. It's one of my favorite scriptures. And they brought to him this woman caught in adultery. And they throw him down at her feet and says, now the law says we should stone her to death. And they're doing it to test him. And fast forwarding through a lot of that story, he wrote on the ground and they all left. And we pick it up in verse 11. I'm sorry, verse 10. Then Jesus straightened up and he said to the woman, and I believe she was like down in the the fetal position thinking she's about to die. Jesus straightened up and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? They were all there condemning her already. They're ready to see her die. Verse 11, he says, Then neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. And here we see two different things, and I didn't make a screen for this, but we see grace in Jesus saying, Neither do I condemn you. We also see truth where he says to go now and leave your life of sin. There's two different things in here. I'm not condemning you. Jesus was not sent here to condemn the world. And here's what he's saying. Go now and leave your life of sin. But even in this, who is it the only one who can tell you to leave the life of sin? Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? Father God, I know I've, I've rushed through this today to get it all in in the amount of time. 
But Lord, I thank you for your word showing us the difference of living in the life of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and living in the tree of life. And then one of the things you gave us was a choice. Our first story was the day we were born, and our second story in our life, we're giving a choice. And today we're maybe faced with a choice again. Maybe I've never even stepped foot into your kingdom. I've never said, hey, I want to be on the path. I want to walk in the way that you have for me. That may be my choice today. Or maybe my choice is to look and say, man, I've been doing it wrong. I've been, I've been thinking I was in the right tree and I was actually in the tree where I was just trying to make it all happen. It was just about knowledge and not a relationship. If that's you this morning, whether you're in this room or you're watching by the stream or you're listening on the podcast or you're watching the YouTube, all the different ways that the medium's going out there, I just want to, wherever you're at this morning, if you've never accepted Christ and you're ready to do so today, I want you to say this prayer with me. Say, God in heaven, thank you for sending your son to die in my place to pay for my sins so that I don't have to. I ask you to forgive me for living my life without you. Jesus, forgive me and take my life. I surrender everything to you. Be the Lord of my life. Be number one. And the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you with all my heart today. Today I give you my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.